0: You need to know what really happened and make it better, not erase it so that nobody knows what really happened to start with.
1: Thanks so much for joining us today for Get Your Fill, Financial Independence and Long Life, where we normally strive for ways to achieve those two goals and invite folks on to help us achieve our financial independence. But. Buck Williams, our guest today, is in the long life, long happy life category. Buck is not going to teach us how to make lots of money. He's going to show us how fun your life can be when you don't have to worry about making money. Uh, I met Buck on my planes, trains, and automobiles tour of the West Coast that I uh, was on this, uh, I guess, September, October time frame, and he just... I don't I, know I just <laughs> he's he captured my heart he was just so fun so interesting just such a force of nature and such a such a character He's got just a huge personality. Uh, one thing I do want to apologize for though is that uh, Buck had a lot of challenges with the technical piece of our interview so the audio is not fantastic I know that's a drag. When you ask people, what's the most important thing about your podcast? They say, great audio. So I'm apologizing in advance, but if you can stick with it, I think you'll find it worth it. And you'll also see in the, in the show notes, there's some links to other interviews with Buck and other folks take on him. Because at the end of our interview, he had to rush off. So uh, forgive me for this is not my finest work, but I do think you'll like him and you'll have a good time with him. Buck, thanks so much for joining us today. I'm so excited that you were able to be here.
0: Well, I'm glad to be here.
2: So
1: first, Buck,
2: um, tell us, tell how would you describe yourself to someone who's never met you before? What would you, how, how would you sort of explain yourself to people or who you are, or what you do and things like that?
0: Well, I would describe myself as, oh, probably, I'm Native American. I'm a cowboy. Uh, I'm a retired cop. Uh, I enjoy people. I enjoy talking to people, passing on the knowledge that I have. Uh, military man. Uh, and I'm 76 years old, so I just do the fun stuff. <laughs> <laughs> When you get to be my age, if it ain't fun, you quit doing it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's the way we should all be, right?
0: <laughs> yes, ma'am. It should be.
2: <laughs> so, is is it a coincidence yeah, we that we you are? Were... Sorry.
0: We all run into problems, and and it's it helps to get over it if you look for the funny side of it. There's a right. funny side to everything. <laughs>
2: That's it. It's true. But it's not always apparent that what that is.
0: <laughs> yeah. You have to work at it sometimes.
2: <laughs> so, Buck, did you grow up? I mean, is it a coincidence that it's called Williams, Arizona? Is that your family, where your family's from? And is it their town? Is it your town, Buck? That's what I thought when I was there, that you owned the town, for sure.
0: <laughs> no. Uh, what happened was... Uh, I was born in Ohio. Uh, I got my education and my common sense on the ranch. And I was raised on a ranch in Alabama.
2: Okay.
0: Uh, yeah. And then uh, uh, when I was 17, I went in the Marine Corps. Uh, I was a hand-to-hand combat and survival instructor in the Marine Corps. I got out of that and got into police work. I was a deputy sheriff in Summit County, Ohio, for three years, and I'd always, I'd always liked that dragnet thing. So I decided I'd go out there. So I went to Los Angeles, and uh, that's where I met my wife. We both did 20 years with the Los Angeles Police Department, and then I retired from that. And I did six years as a U.S. Marshal. And my wife and I had passed through here a bunch of times, and she'd always said, that'd be cool, you know, town's named after us. (laughs) So when I got ready to retire, I said, pick it, and this is what she picked. (laughs) So we moved here, and (laughs) uh, I did 15 years as a train robber. That was fun. That sounds
2: like a good job. (laughs)
0: How do you get that job? <laughs> we, we, we have the tourist train that goes from here to the canyon every day. Uh-huh. We'd we do a little cowboy show before it leaves. On the way back, we'd chase it down on horseback, shooting, screaming, and yelling. <laughs> get on and rob the train. <laughs> and then in the summer, we set the street down out here someplace and do a cowboy show and have a gunfight every night. <laughs> They're <But> not <laughs>
2: doing that anymore?
0: no six years ago when I turned 70 I realized I don't bounce as good as I used to it takes a little bit longer to get up out of the street so uh, I retired from that and now I'm the town gunsmith
2: (laughs) great so that sounds like you just followed your I mean would you say that you kind of followed your passion or you just kind of followed the, the trail wherever it led you
0: yeah just uh I I became a cowboy here, robbing the train. Uh, When I retired, I'm the gunsmith. I also travel around and do lectures on real cowboy history versus what Hollywood lied about, which is almost everything. (laughs) And And I throw in the Hollywood trivia and where old words and sayings come from. And I teach people how to use a bullwhip and how to do cowboy fast draw.
2: Wow. So what's the secret to doing, to being successful on the bullwhip?
0: Learning to do it easy. Everybody wants to do like they saw in the movies, where they do it really hard and yank back. Without training, you're going to end up hurting yourself real bad it's it folks don't realize how easy it is. i teach three-year-olds how to crack a whip wow
2: that's pretty fun i never um, oh i do
0: i should have you that
2: I should if i realized that you did that i would ask you to teach me how to crack a whip
0: oh yeah uh, i take little kids uh, they come to my shop and they want to learn how we go right out on the sidewalk and I set up. I hang, got a place I put straws and I let them hit the straw and I show them how. And they actually hit the straw.
2: Wow. Yeah, I've got to come back and have you teach me that because that would be fun thing to know.
0: <laughs> when you come back, I'll teach you how. In 2008, in 2008, I uh, tried out for the Guinness Book. I came in seventh in the world for speed and accuracy with a bull whip and fifth in the world at cowboy fast draw.
2: Wow. So, what's the, what, when you say cowboy fast draw, is that different from another kind of fast draw?
0: That's the kind of fast draw that you see in the movies where the cowboys are walking and they respond to the other guy and draw on fire. It's not the speed draw thing. Uh, cowboy fast draw, you can't be touching the gun, uh, you have to be 25 feet from the target you tell them you're ready they let go of a button a little light and the target comes on that starts your time now you have to draw and fire and your bullet hitting the target stops your time wow it's not you see the speed draw the ones on tv where the guy's holding the gun and he just twists it and fires real quick that's speed draw that's different than cowboy faster okay
2: So tell me some of the things that are like your pet peeve when you watch it. You may not even watch the Hollywood movies because they are annoying, but what's one of the major things that Hollywood kind of got wrong with the whole Cowboy experience? Well,
0: one of the major things they got wrong was the (laughs) gunfight. That's not the way gunfights went back. went down back in the old days. Back in the old days, if I was... If you and me had an argument, I'd tell you get a gun or get out of town, and if you didn't, the next time I saw you, I'd just shoot you. wouldn't be any of this, let's get out and walk up and down the street. <laughs> there's only one known case of that in history, and that was a special circumstance, or it wouldn't have happened.
2: <laughs> so there's none of this dueling in the streets where everybody waits for each other to get ready uh, to, for, to, to get shot. You
0: get hurt doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you could you could get hurt doing that walk down the street and see who's the fastest. It's easier just to walk up behind you and shoot. You. <laughs> that's and that's the way they did it back then.
2: <laughs> Buck you yeah. say you're Native an American and a cowboy. Isn't that kind of being on both sides of the both sides of the fence there?
0: No ma'am. As a matter of fact. Uh after the Civil War, there was no freedom. Blacks went west. In actuality, during that period, which they show most of the movies from, about 40% of the cowboys were black, and another 30% or so were Native American and Hispanic.
2: Hmm.
0: Wow. The majority so I- of cowboys were what we now call minorities. Interesting. So what's it what's like a what do you call a cowboy? What's the definition of a cowboy? Well a cowboy basically that word comes from minority history because back then uh, blacks, Native Americans, and Hispanics were called men and women. If you took care of the house, you're the house boy. If you took care of the barn, you're the barn boy, if you took care of the cows, you was the cowboy. That's where that word comes from. Right. But base. It's maintaining the herd, keeping it safe, moving it when it has to be moved. Uh, for example, if you lived like in Louisiana, Alabama, Florida, places like that, you could pre-feed a cow all year on one acre of land. Wow. Here in Arizona, it's 40 acres per cow.
2: Oh, wow.
0: So. So you have to keep them moving to, in order to get the food, and there's less water here naturally. Right. Williams Williams is 6,800 feet above sea level, so we're we're higher than the mile high city here. Yeah,
2: but it is very so, dry.
0: <laughs> yes, it is dry. It's uh, it's it, it, we are in one of the largest pine forests in the country. Uh, everybody thinks Arizona's like they saw in movies and Tombstone and everything where it's all desert. You get up here in the mountains, we got trees and things like that. And we got lakes and streams, but like wells, the, the city of Williams, the shallowest well, we got's like 3,200 feet. Wow. Yeah. The cowboys were, they were responsible for the herd. They moved the herd. They maintained the herd. They, uh, they took care of any medical problems that came up with the cattle because that was your source of income. You couldn't just let them roam and be on their own. You had to take care of them, protect them from predators and from rustlers, people stealing them. That's one of the reasons why you see in movies where they catch a guy rustling or, or stealing horses, they hung him. Yeah. Well, if you if you if it was back then and you arrest you got a guy rustling on your property, it's a three day trip to Flagstaff back then, plus your time there and then three days back. If you
2: wanted to like bring him to the
0: authorities, you mean. Yeah, who's going to take care of your stock while you're doing that? Right. So you just That's shoot. why you just, you just hung them, and the next time you saw a law officer, you told them.
2: <laughs> By the way, there's a guy <laughs> cooling his heels out here. So, <laughs> so what did they just keep moving? And, were they all on their own ranch while they were moving their, all these cattle from place to place so they could eat?
0: Uh, well, you would you had people that would buy other herds or buy breeding stock and they would have to be moved from wherever they were to wherever you're going and after you developed them and got them ready for market, you'd have to move them to the nearest market and that's where the trail drives came in. Okay And this
2: was before the railroads right?
0: Uh, the, before we had railroads everywhere, so maybe the the nearest railroad, uh, like uh, the Chisholm Trail and things like that, they were in Texas. and The nearest railroad was Kansas, wow. so they had to run. Yeah, and that takes a lot of time. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, back then, uh, if you made the uh, if you made 15 miles a day, you did great. <laughs> there were times when, due to weather or whatever, that you would get up, at sun up, move all day long, and still camp within sight of where you camped last night because of mud or whatever.
2: Oh, wow. feels <laughs> feel very, I feel like a lot of progress. How many her- cattle are they be moving at
0: this time? Uh, there were times when uh, they were moving quite a few. Nowadays, uh, you're looking at uh, sometimes hundreds, uh, but instead of doing the trail drive, uh, the uh, uh, 18 wheelers carry them down to the to the auction barn or down to the summer range or back up to the winter, down to the winter range and move them around. But now they use the, the cattle cars.
2: I see, yeah. So, Buck, what kind of advice would you give to people today? Like, you know, you've lived a lot, you've seen a lot, you've done a lot. Do you see people today making mistakes and doing things that, you know, you don't think make a lot of sense?
0: My, My advice to people would be, if you want it, earn it. Okay. Don't wait for somebody to give you something. If you if, if if it's something you need or something you want, you get it. It makes it more valuable to you that you earned it. It's nowadays people sit around and wait, somebody's gonna give it to me, the government will take care of me, this, this, and this. I don't accept anything that I didn't physically work to earn. I'll give you a good example. Because of my Native American background, I'm entitled to free acreage on the reservation, about 300 acres. And And I'm entitled to money from the casino. I do not take either one because I didn't get this position by earning it. I got it by birth. I will earn what I've got. If I don't earn it, I'm not accepting it. If somebody gives it to me, I'll just pass it on to somebody else.
2: Yeah. Well, that's a good philosophy.
0: It's This thing is sitting around waiting and playing on your computer and uh, believing anybody that says they'll give you something for free, there's no such thing, somebody's paying for it. Yeah, Yeah. if, uh, if an example is uh, they want a free college, <laughs> the college is not free, somebody's got to pay for that and that's where the taxpayers come in. Right. <laughs> yeah, but no, I earn it. It's, and if I make a commitment to something, if some guy come in and I told him I would be at his house this morning at nine o'clock to help him do whatever. And then half hour later, another guy walks in and says, Hey, if you come and help me, I'll give you 500 bucks. I'm going to have to tell that guy. No, because I've already promised somebody I'd be there. I would turn down the 500 because my word is what I live on. Right. So
2: no,
0: I, you I can't put a price on possibly. that. Right. I promised the guy I would be there. I'm going to be there. I'm not going to turn around and call that guy and say I can't go because I'm getting 500 from this other guy. Yeah. That's not keeping the Right.
2: Buck, what kind of other um, misconceptions do you think people have about the West or about Native Americans or? any of the things that you have lived and known
0: about? Folks don't realize that back then, back in those days, you earned it. Nobody gave you anything. Uh, and no matter what your background, you had to find something you could do. Uh, you could be a cowboy, a uh, or you could be the bartender, whatever. It had to be something where you were earning because nobody gave you anything. And uh, you learned real early in life that you need to commit to a purpose and do everything you can to see that you meet that purpose. So they didn't have, right?
2: Back then, there was no Social Security. There was no, you know, no whatever you nope. had for your retirement in your life. You, you just had to make sure that you took care of it on your own. Yeah.
0: And back then, back then, if you, if you came into a town, you had no money, uh, nothing like, and you didn't know anybody, uh, you want to eat, folks would say, fine, uh, I need you to go clean out the stalls. I'll pay you to do that right i need you to herd these cattle i'll pay you to do that it's you earned it nobody gave you anything now you might get somebody you know where once in a while buy you a drink or whatever sat and talking to you and buy lunch but it was not something you could depend on yeah. it was not something where you could go over to the to the charity center and say, hey, I'm here, I need clothes and food because it didn't happen back
2: then. All right.
0: Not that, Not like they do nowadays. You had but- to earn it. And that requires a mindset. It's a, something where you decide I'm going to be this and I will do the things necessary to obtain this, not sit here and wait for somebody to come and give it to me.
2: And you think that, how, how do you think that impacted people? How do you think that it made them different than they are today?
0: It made them different because back then you had things you believed in that were, some of them weren't even physical things. You believed you had a religion. Uh, You had a duty to help the guy that needed help. You didn't give him stuff. You gave him an opportunity to earn stuff. it was, uh, some guy comes into town and says, I want you to buy me dinner for the next week. (laughs) Well, (laughs) fine, I'll give you a job that'll buy you dinner for the next week. Right. I'm not going to just buy your dinner every day. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what other kind of things uh, are you seeing with when you meet young people today, or what what other changes are you seeing? What other like things do you think that are not as good as they used to be for people?
0: I think part of the, part of the problem nowadays is that we're doing everything we can to erase the values from the old days. Sure, there were things that were done wrong. There were mistakes made. There were horrible incidents of violence, slavery, things like that, but we learned from them. Now, nobody owes me because my people were moved off their land. My grandmother may ended up taken out of Alabama and stuck in Oklahoma on the reservation.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, the the thing about it is you can't you can't erase those things. You can't tear down the statue and make it all go away. It's all still there. Instead of trying to get rid of it, study it, learn about it and learn from it. Correct whatever mistakes there were in the beginning and make it better now look at making it better not erasing it
2: but how do you I mean how do you reconcile that you know I mean you can you can see how people who were here you know the Native Americans were here and they and they had their area I mean they didn't have like a property deed right they didn't have that concept but they when you and I were talking you know, about just because we just had thanksgiving right and people are 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 now being it's asked the, to feel bad about thanksgiving they're being asked to feel guilty about celebrating thanksgiving and that we've had a, a false pretense about what think what really happened back then and things like that i mean can you just talk to that a little bit
0: the, the thing about it is they're erasing the reality And in erasing that reality, they're changing the value of what they're trying to change. Okay? Uh, We can't have Thanksgiving because uh, that was started uh, out of brutality and everything. No, if you read back in history, you'll find out there was a reason for it. Nowadays, we don't have to do that. The reason has changed for why we have Thanksgiving. Uh, Not to. The thing throughout history, the conqueror has always subjugated the conquered. We've done, that's long before we ever came to the United States. Read, uh, you know, check the Bible. <laughs> the <laughs> Jewish people back then were all slaves. <laughs> you know, <laughs> conquered countries were were slaves. We've corrected that. Nowadays, if, good example, Japan. We are at war with Japan. When it's over, what did we do? We went and rebuilt it for them. We helped them. We worked with them, and they're now our allies. Back then, if we'd have conquered it, we'd have just took over, and they'd have been the slaves. Right. But we have learned from the mistakes made in the past. And if you don't study the past, recognize it and learn from it, then you're due to repeat it. And this erasing all of the trying to erase the memories of the bad stuff is wrong. You need to have those memories so you don't make that mistake again.
2: So Buck, what really happened, you know, on Thanksgiving? What's the true sort of story of Thanksgiving?
0: When, when the Pilgrims first came here, they started what we would now call a commune. And they had some people work, some people didn't. Uh, they got a percentage of everything that was produced. Uh, they the, Some of the Americans uh, were at war with Native Americans because they wanted the land or whatever. A lot of them were friends because the Native Americans taught them how to hunt, how to trap, how to plant. And Thanksgiving was a period when it was at the end of the harvest, and it was a thank you for the blessings and for the harvest and for allowing us to live through another year and move on to the next.
2: So why is it it now negative?
0: it's like a lot of things it's all become commercialized it's uh you know a good example of christmas christmas is supposed to be a holy day look at it we've got black friday cyber friday uh, black (laughs) thursday (laughs) you gotta buy this you gotta buy that you gotta go here you gotta go it's it's turned into a commercial process instead of a process of meaning. Right. So, people, people need to get away from this. Uh, you know, if they misunderstand or don't want to accept an explanation, so they try to change it. Well, that doesn't change what really happened. You need to know what really happened and make it better, not erase it so that nobody knows what really happened to start with. Yeah.
2: So now, what do you think about this idea that, um, well, actually, why do you think that so many Native Americans are still living on the reservations?
0: Well, I, it feels Never. like, Good. A lot, of the, a lot of that problem arises from the fact that Indian reservations are their own government. Right. And that a lot of them had rather live in their traditional ways than move to all this new stuff we're throwing out here now. You know, Native Americans didn't hate you because you weren't Native Americans. Native Americans fought among themselves all the time, just like we do here.
2: Right.
0: You know, my football team will beat your football team. (laughs) Uh, It's it's the same, only we've done away with so much of the violent part of it. But uh, folks automatically read into things. Uh, I'll give you a good example. We can't call the football team the Redskins anymore.
2: Right.
0: Most Native Americans are not offended by the term red skin. The reason being that back then when the Native Americans got ready to hurt you, they painted your face red. Right. So the red was not a degrading thing. It was a I'm telling you, you're about to get hurt if you don't leave me alone. Yeah.
2: <laughs> fighting fighting words, fighting paint. Yeah. So, do you think people are speaking for the Native Americans and saying, "Oh, this must be offensive," kind of thing?
0: I think what they're doing now is they're using it, trying to gain from it. Uh, I can I can be accepted and be made a hero if I can prove that you only did it to me because I'm Native American, and it's it's they're using it as excuses for things. Uh, no matter what. No matter what I say, there's somebody out there that's going to be offended. Therefore, I'm a racist. (laughs) Okay. Uh, It's, you have to accept people the way they are. It's, you're walking down the street, you see people, you look at some people and you say, hey, I'll say hi to this guy as I walk by. Other people you look at and you go, ooh, hmm. (laughs) And you need to learn to accept people the way they are, uh, without having some physical explanation. I've been, I've got friends in every race you can think of. If you want to get down to that, but I mean, to me, that's a stupid thing to say. Well, I'm friends, uh, I'm friends with uh, with uh, this guy. And he's not the same as me. Well, yes, he is. He's your brother or your sister or whatever, because we all are created equal. And we have to learn to accept the reason the way that person is. Okay? Uh, to say, okay, he was raised uh, Jewish and I was raised uh um, according to Cherokee tradition. Well, since he doesn't believe what I believe, I'm gonna kill him. <laughs> that don't work.
2: Be too I have to left.
0: say, yeah, you need to talk to the people and say, why do you believe that? Sit down and say, you believe A and I believe B. This is why I'm a B and I wanna know why you're an A. Maybe we can come up with a scene that takes care of both of us.
2: <laughs> what impact do you think it, it has? On, do you think it's a good or a bad or what What's your opinion about um, the isolation? Right. I, I just recently saw a, a, a person speaking, a Native American speaking about um, the whole feeling like, because he didn't go, he went, to a, he went to a white school and he felt very alienated and he felt very different. He felt like um, just, he never felt like he was part of, of anything.
0: And that's because He didn't take the time to find out why it's the way it is. He automatically assumed that because he was Native American, it wasn't for him. I can't go there because I'm, I'm not black. I can't go over there because I'm not a mother. Why? Go over there and ask them why. Go over there and talk to them. What did I do that makes you hate me other than the fact that my hair is longer? <laughs> yeah. We need to sit and talk and discuss these things instead of trying to erase them and make them into things that they're not.
2: Yeah, it can be a very sort of um, difficult issue because people who are, you know, like white people who weren't even here when, you know, I mean, my my family all immigrated within the last probably sixty. Well, no, that's not. I guess longer than that, but you know, say a hundred years that people from, you know, from my family came from Europe or wherever they came from, and then they come here and people. And and, and, there are, and they obviously didn't have anything to do with slavery or putting, you know, Indians into reservations or, you know, Native Americans into reservations or anything like that. So, and you, you can feel yeah. sort of defensive and say, well, you know, I didn't have anything to do with that. I wouldn't have ever condoned that. I don't agree with it, you know, but, but to be hated because of that, right? To say, well, you, you don't, and I, I have a lot of black yeah. friends. And so I do sort of sometimes run into this sort of, because they have a very insulated community. You know, they they really support each other and they help each other. And and so there's that sort of us and them kind of feeling. And and they say, you know, you don't know what it's like. And they're absolutely right. I don't know what it's like. And I can't, I mean, I try to understand what they've been through and, you know. Give an
0: example, sweetie. The, in 1836, the Cherokee Nation The Eastern Cherokee Nation, uh, the Carolinas, Alabama, Tennessee, and those places. The Cherokees made the Trail of Tears march from there to Oklahoma. Yeah. They made a roster of the Cherokee Nation. It's called the DOS Roll. I have two great uncles that are number 15 and number 17 on the DOS Roll. Am I supposed to turn around now and say, because you did that to my great-uncles back almost 100 years ago, I get to be upset because I'm a Native American? No, I don't. I get to be who I am. I tell folks, my personality is what I make it. My attitude is what you make it. If you want to be friendly, and everything, I don't care any of your background or nothing like that. We'll start from where we meet and make a friendship out of it, no matter what the background is. This thing of, uh, well, I can't be friends with that group because they're different to me. They're only different from you because you didn't bother to learn why they're different. If you would have sat down and discussed your differences, you might have found mutual ground to form a great relationship.
2: Well, we're all the same and we're all different, right? You can always, no matter how similar a person is, you can always find a way that you're different from them and, by, and also find ways that you're that you're the same. So I agree okay. with you
0: 100%. You, you, you got twins. <laughs> they're birth twins, they're two brothers, they look exactly alike. You get to talking to them, they're different. Yeah. Why? Because different things happen to them in their life.
2: Yeah.
0: So even though they're identical, they're different. Yeah. <laughs> and Absolutely. that's the way you need to understand the world. Everybody out there, including your very close friends, are different from you.
2: Buck, well, I want to thank you so much for all the time you shared okay. with us. I'll, I'll come visit you again next time I'm in town. All, all right. right.
1: Bye-bye. All right. Take care. So Buck, unfortunately, had to rush off for an emergency call, but Buck is just the kind of fun, interesting, full-of-life character that I love talking to and I hope you love listening to. And I want to tell you about a new format that we're going to be starting the first of the year, and it's... It's going to allow you to hear some of this. It's a lot of the same people. So if you want to hear the full interview in one bite, you can always come back here. But basically, it's a daily format, Monday through Friday. And I'll just give you a quick rundown. Monday is just going to be me introducing the person. So it's, you know, each episode is going to be between 10 and 15 minutes. So it might be perfect for like a quick, um, you know, drive to work or just quick trip to the grocery store whatever. So Monday, I'm just going to be talking about the person, why they're interesting, why we're, why I'm speaking with them, some accomplishments that they may have made, and then Tuesday, the guest comes on and we discuss basically their background, what got them to the point where they are today, um, what they learned, those sorts of things, and then on Wednesday we hear where the guest is today, how they help people, what they're doing today, how they're making their money, and Thursday. So Thursday and Friday are my favorite days. Thursday is the guest giving you some tips, giving us some tips that we can implement today that will help us to get one step closer to the success that they personally have had. And that, the guests have been so generous with that. And literally, if you took one piece of advice from each interview, you would be, a millionaire before the end of the year that's my personal opinion but give it a try that's the worst that could happen you'd only be a you know 500,000 air or something and then on Friday we're gonna allow you to interact directly with the guests I mean have you ever listened to a podcast and you thought what the heck is wrong with this host why didn't they ask this question this burning question that I've been sitting here thinking about the whole time you can be you can submit that question through a link that you'll find in the show notes. Uh, we'll answer those questions live with the guest on Fridays, and a couple people each week. Hopefully, if the normally the scheduling will be 10 a.m. Eastern time is when we will interview those guests. So if the timing works for you and the timing works for the guest, then we can have some live questions so you might be chosen to be on the podcast to ask your question directly to the host to the guest and have them answer that question for you so I, I hope you like this idea everybody i've talked to so far is like wow i could ask questions directly to the guest and it's going to be interactive and it's just quick snippets of, of stuff each day which is so fun because then you don't have to interrupt your normal podcast listening and yeah, I mean, I know there are over 2 million podcasts out there, and it's hard to ask you to sit here for an hour to listen to one episode. But, you know, put across, maybe you'll f- find, you know, that each day you just enjoy those 10 or 15 minutes that you spend, that we could spend together. I also want to say thanks to everybody who has helped to bring this podcast to 38 countries. That is so exciting to me. So the U.S. understandably has about 80% of the of the traffic but Germany has 5%. I mean that's amazing. I'm thank you so much. If you live in Germany and you're listening to the podcast, thank you so much. Barbados has 3% of the traffic. I mean that's I feel like so excited. I want to like do a tour of Barbados and have them come and you know, we could do like a live show or something. This is so it's so heartwarming. It's so exciting for me to know that you're all benefiting that you're all hearing this and that you that you're enjoying it. So I just wanna say thanks as we're heading into the into the, a new year, it's time to say thank you and show our gratitude and I am so incredibly grateful for you for listening. So I hope that you're having some great plans for twenty twenty two, that it's gonna be a fantastic year for all of us, a year of great health, great prosperity, and great joy.